0: The material discussed and presented in this podcast is for general information only, and any reliance on such material is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Reference to any information, product, process, service, or organization does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by pros. Views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement by pros of them or any entity they represent. Views expressed by PROS employees are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, standards, or policies of PROS or any of its directors, officers, employees, or shareholders.
1: Welcome to Interface, a podcast where we connect technology and culture through conversation. Interface is brought to you by Empower and PROS. Empower is dedicated to helps people and companies outperform by enabling smarter selling in the digital economy. I'm your host, Jennifer Plummer, and I'm joined with Matthew and Sierra. Today, our guest is Aaron Walker, a student at the University of Houston. He graduated cum laude with a Bachelor's of Music in Music Theory, and will be getting his Bachelor's in Computer Science later this year. He teaches music, has a YouTube channel, and has done some undergraduate research in noise suppression models. Um, he's an up-and-coming technologist, and we are happy to have him as a guest today on Interface. Welcome. Welcome, oh. Aaron.
2: It really is an honor to be here. Like, I've seen, like, all the guests you've had, and I've <laughs> listened to a few episodes. It's a bit it's a bit crazy. Uh, some distinguished engineers, like United Airlines. Uh oh, well, feel a little bit out of place here, but... No, I
1: mean... <laughs> you're, you're the next generation. You're the next generation. That's why I'm excited about this. Um also, Hi, Manny I mean, will
0: probably hate me for this, but come through with the intro. I loved it. It
1: was great. <laughs> uh, we met, oh, maybe a year. Maybe longer. Yeah,
2: just about a year ago. Yeah. Almost, almost um, like, a, exactly yeah. like two months, maybe.
1: Yeah, because you're teaching piano to uh, one of our coworkers' daughter. So she was like, oh you've got to meet erin she connected us so um i bumped into you at the code red uh Hackathon yeah. at university of houston so we keep bumping into each other so i thought uh, you know what we should have a conversation <laughs> on interface
2: definitely 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 good good fortune on my for me i <laughs> Uh um to be honest I'm just still i I'm was still impressed you were, you you actually recognized me like I saw you passing by I was like I think that's Jennifer but she walks up like I'm I'm sitting trying to sign in I was like wow it's really cool to, to see her here I was like I don't want to like bother her like they're setting up or whatever and she she actually just like taps me on the back she's like hey aren't you Aaron Walker?' like, like you were in front of me in line the... yeah
1: hey I'm always playing count the black people wherever uh. I go so I try I try to um you know Keep keep tabs on the community, um, for sure. And I'm really excited. You did very well at that hackathon, too, right? I think you placed, yeah. yes? Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, was a, it was a really cool team. It was, <laughs> it was definitely a big team effort.
0: So right? basically, you're kind of a big deal, Aaron, which is, <laughs> you know, why
2: <laughs> she reached I, I, out. I'm, I'm podcast famous things. now. Come it on. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I'm not exactly the words I'd use, but.
1: Yeah, so let's go back. So you definitely have a music background, but, you know, we'd like you to tell us your story of kind of how you got into the things that you're into now.
2: Yeah, I think with I guess with just about everybody, it starts with a really good teacher. It was in high school. It was just a random elective I, I saw. I was like, hey, you can take computer science. And I had no idea what that meant, but I just needed an extra elective. So I signed up for the class and we had the this ridiculously relaxed dude, Mr. Yu. And I remember the entire time I thought we were being complete like slack offs because he he would give us we learned Java first he'd give us really it was a textbook with exercises in it and he would just give us labs do the lab and then when you're whenever you're done you know your kids with computers just hang out like Daniel was like reading manga or something and me and Caleb were playing chess or Pokemon showdown after the labs but then uh, what well, what happened is he had two semesters it was two years it was computer science one computer science two. And we got through all the labs that he usually assigns people, and we were still seniors. And he's like, well, I don't I don't even know what to do with you guys. I know you want to sign up. So I'm just going to make a computer science three. And I thought he was joking because he's like, hey, there's like five extra computers I can have during the computer science one class. You can just sit in with the computer science one class kids. I'll just give you some assignments to do, and you guys can hang out. And that's that's what we did. <laughs> and uh, it turned out into really, really cool, cool things because... Uh, Over the course, we've gone through like recursion. We did like sorting algorithms and visualizing them. We did graphics. We did like abstract classes. We did a ton of stuff so that when I walked into college, I tested out of some of the classes and then the ones I did have to take is like, wait, I've seen all of this before. And some of those things, like even projects I see people are using on their portfolio is like, hey, like I, I knew how to do that in high school. There's like still projects I keep on my like from my flash drive all the way from high school that are like. I. I mean, there's still, still cool things that I learned that are great examples of really important fundamentals. And I don't know how he, he, like, he was the type of teacher that could teach you the entire concept in like 30 minutes or 15 minutes and you just had the rest of the time to just hang out. It didn't, it didn't feel like I was learning anything, but apparently I learned a lot.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Teachers are so important and it sounds like he was an exceptional teacher. What, what did you like about computer science?
2: I like, I I just like problem solving and kind of realizing as well, slowly, uh, the more I liked it was the more I realized there's actually different solutions to the same problem. So there is a lot of creativity in it. that I think a lot of people kind of overlook when they think, oh, yeah, it's computer science. So it's just like numbers and there's just an answer. There's a correct answer. But there's there's things to weigh in terms of like not only like readability efficiency and then there's time versus space efficiency and stuff like that is I I find it fascinating. But uh, yeah, I, I just like problem solving creative problem solving is fun it's like puzzles but <laughs> yeah. you actually do stuff you finish stuff you build stuff with by solving puzzles
3: can you go a little bit more in depth on the problem solving i, I find like not being in the technical world of coding that you know when i talk to developers and they say i like to problem solve and, and this is what i'm doing it's like okay what exactly does that mean are, you, are 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 people giving you a math problem and then you solve that in some creative way can you kind of give
2: a high-level view into like what problem solving looks like. Uh, I I feel like a Noria. I'll, I'll give a more concrete example. I guess uh, one of the things I did for it was like a like I was bored in class and I needed to do. He taught us after classes and I needed something like a problem to solve just to to exercise it. So I, I was like, how would I make a chess program? Because I'm playing chess with with Caleb like all day. I'm like, how would I make a chess problem? Chess program? How would that work? right? So I have the problem of I need pieces and I need them each to move and I need them to move different ways depending on what what uh, what the piece is doing. And I need to make some sort of matrix to know which piece which places are occupied. And I need to know which ones you can move to depending on the piece. And then every time I introduce a new piece, there's new problems of like, okay, how do I make it move diagonal and forward and backwards? And then how do I make this one exception for the palm on, on the first move? And then like the problem with the king and I have to consider all the enemies' pieces at the same time for, like, every move. And all of a sudden, every at every step, I'm solving more problems. And that's, that's where it becomes this issue of, like, hey, I could solve this in several ways because if I want to, I could just avoid the whole, like, how do I solve occupying by having some extra variable in a different place? Or I could just have a separate, like, matrix for that specific thing.
1: Uh, so where you are... Uh, targeted to uh, get your computer science degree um, later this year. Yes. Um, maybe can you go through um, for you know our younger listeners? You know what is it like to be a computer science?
2: Oh, uh, okay, that's a good one. Uh... If you're not, it's totally cool if you have absolutely zero computer science experience when you start. There's definitely classes for that. So usually they teach you either like C or Java or some combination of both. And it's really simple of how do you, you know, print hello world? How do you make a function? How do you add and subtract things for the first couple of classes? Um, you have to take math classes, advanced math classes. They're not too advanced. There was a Cal one, Cal two. You could test out of that and then um Eventually you do engineering statistics. That's the highest math I had to take, at least at UH for um, computer science. And then the rest of the classes are geared towards actual computer science. So there's computer organization and architecture, which is, I learned a ton because I'm not a hardware person and it's actually explaining like how your computer is built. What are the parts, what do they do and how do they interact with, you know, the code that you're writing. Then there's operating systems at the higher level and it's, what are threads and like, how how does the operating system work? Like Linux ideas, it's actually pretty cool because you learn a little bit of Linux even if you have no experience with that as well. And then eventually there's classes for databases. Some of these things are elective, some of them are necessary, but databases I believe is always necessary. So you're able to collect and store data and these things that are made specifically for doing that. And You learn how to query them and, Eventually at the very end, there's capstones, at least for UH, and you do software engineering or software design. And the goal for that is to go from very bottom of, hey, here's this problem. How do you turn it into a concrete code? How do you do the back end? How do you do the front end? How do you connect that to your database? Like going through the process from beginning to end of having a finished project. And that's basically where you end. There's some cool electives you can take, like computer vision or um, machine learning, stuff like that is always options alongside it so
1: what's what's your favorite area of software engineering
2: oh okay i I like i like backend i'm not i'm just not a front-end guy like i i did an internship for react i did like managing a web page and building a little web page i mean it's i mean it's nice it's just not my 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 thing i I like the problem solving it the the back ends where that's at so
3: and for any listeners that might not be familiar with the technical terms can you explain front end and back end
2: and the front is usually when you open up your, your phone, like the, and open up an app, it's what you see, all the buttons, the layout, the, when you open a web page, where the things go, where the text is, where the buttons are, stuff like that. And then the back end is if you're, let's say you have a, it's a calculator, right? Your calculator, the front end is the numbers and the screen that shows all the buttons that you press and all the symbols. And then the back end is, you know, what's actually doing the math and calculating and then spitting out the answer. And then the front end will just display that answer. If that makes sense
3: yeah that was good that was a great example why, why then do you prefer the back end versus the front end I feel like the front end is is fun and visually appealing and you know that's what people interact with that's I
2: don't know okay that's 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 actually a very fair question I, I'm I'm learning to appreciate it the more the more I have to do it I guess there there's a lot of room to be of course creative because it's, it's visual but uh, there's there there's more there's more of a puzzle I have to think I, I like to I like to have to think about different challenges as opposed to, oh, why is my, you know, font not centered when I asked it to be? Why is this button not as big as I thought it should be? Why isn't it working on Android but not working on this other platform? Like those questions, I'm not, I'm not as, I don't, it just doesn't satisfy me to solve them as much as, you know, how do I make these, these values grow exponentially while still keeping the CPU users down like that? Those are, those are cool problems for me personally. Those are my yeah. favorite. Problems.
1: Yeah, I feel like when you work on the front end, you could spend a lot of time talking about pixels in shades of blue. And you're just kind of, at some point, you're just like, just make a decision.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're in the back as- end. It's a lot more concrete as far as did I get I gave this input and the output is this problem solved. I can move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. And the resident non-technical, I'm like, yes, let's talk about shades of blue. This button should be bigger and this one should be smaller. This is what the end user experience is going to be. That's I'm a front-end person.
2: Very important. Very important part.
1: So let's talk about your musical background as well, because it sounds like now um you're kind of intersecting the the, the technology with music. So we talked about your computer science studies let's talk about music and then let's talk about the combination of the
2: so like this this is a, uh first of all it was completely unintentional like uh both both the going to school for computer science and going to school for for music were things i, I didn't plan at all like when i was a kid i wanted to be an animator like i wanted to draw comic books and stuff and uh well th- there's another story about behind that like why i chose <laughs> my life. but the the music thing was just i was i played saxophone my We had a new like this this stuff just happened like one after another. We had a new uh, assistant band director and he had played bassoon and our other bassoon player graduated. So he's like, well, we need somebody to learn bassoon fast. And they just looked at him. He's like, "Okay, like, here's here's the bassoon. Figure it out. And (laughs) like I played it for a year or two and he was impressed by how fast I learned it. And he's like, hey, you know, I went to school at UH and I studied under Elise for bassoon. She's really awesome. And I think she'd like you if you audition. So I was like, you know, like, why not? And I auditioned and I, again, like I signed up for computer science already. Like that was my, that was my major, but I was like, let me audition for, for, for bassoon and see what happens. And I audition, I get in and now I'm just like a bassoon performance major as well as doing computer science and I'm, I'm doing like bassoon performance for two years and I had this weird, like, like, there's usually like this weird, weird happenstance that like when I was in elementary school, we, we had these music performers that would show up. I think it was like once or twice a semester or so many months. And one of the performers, they played Piazzolla, like a, a specific composer, like Latin American composer. And I, for some reason, as a kid, I just remember, I was like, oh, this classical music stuff's kind of cool or whatever. And like, I disregarded. And then I just remember like, there's a go band, other school stuff, so, yeah, whatever. And then in college, like during the music theory classes, they're, they're showing like uh, different regions besides, you know, just like Germany and stuff. And they're like, hey, here's this Latin American composer. And they play the music and I had this, like, like you know, the movie Ratatouille. Like the dude takes a bite of <laughs> sure. it. Was, it was literally that. Like I had this weird flashback. I was like, like oh. And as they're explaining this, I was like, you know what? They could, I could, I could write music. Like I could I could do this stuff. I was that's uh-huh. the, that's the stuff I really want to do. This is more interesting than I love playing the instrument. Like don't get uh-huh. me wrong, but I was like, I could, I could make this stuff. So mm-hmm. then I switched to theory and composition, and it was a, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Again, like this stuff wasn't. It Didn't come naturally to me. I'm not like part of a musical family. I just you know had to figure it out in the first the first year of my composition lessons. At the end of every single lesson, <laughs> Doctor White would ask me like, "So how's your computer science degree going?" You know, this music stuff doesn't always work out for people. You know, you can do composition on the side if you if you you know if you really want. So you know, that's what Charles Ives did. You know, nobody listened to his. He just he was a tax guy. He just did <laughs> music on the side. You don't really need to. But the the thing was like, I I always wanted to keep writing it didn't need to be the main thing but if i was gonna do it i needed to be good at, like i was gonna be good at it right yes. so i you know <laughs> suffered through that through that year i eventually got like better and better and better and i would like talk to them about grad school and then they were taking me seriously like by the end it was like okay yeah i'm like I, i'm actually i can do the thing now <laughs> in music and that's when i was really satisfied and i graduated 2019 like i did a recital on the bassoon because i like performing i didn't have to Mm-hmm. For theory and composition, you just write, I have to write a thesis for theory and then part of the composition degree, I didn't do composition, but like because I wanted to do it, I wrote a piece and I performed that piece on my recital with some other bassoon stuff. And then that was kind of like my goodbye because uh, I don't have a bassoon. Like they're, they're really expensive. <laughs> so that was Damn the last time. That was actually the last time I, I gave like a big performance. And now I just, I just write music for fun because I don't need to worry about, you know, playing it. And uh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 where the music story at least starts.
3: Uh huh. Yeah, I'm curious if you have learned anything in your music studies that you're able to connect back to your tech life and maybe vice versa.
2: well, I will actually have to ask you to specify that question. Do you mean like just conceptually or things that I like actually do like between the two, like things that are concrete, if that makes sense that I do with both? conceptually you can start conceptually
3: okay. but if you can think of something concrete that that's okay. an
2: interesting thing too okay there's a little bit of both there so uh so there's this idea in music and it's the it's what i found i realized now that i have a word to stick to it it's the thing i care about the most in music it's counterpoint and counterpoint is like when there's an in- independent melody two independent melodies and they play at the same time and they make sense both on their own and together right and then it's writing counterpoint because you have to think about so many things the independent voice how they line up together and then how the harmony moves from one place to the next because there's different like chronological things that are allowed or not allowed and different vertical things that are allowed or not allowed at certain times so at each point every decision i'm making it's like a little puzzle it feels like sudoku like i can because i made this choice over here i can't do this choice over here and then you get faster and faster at it and better and better at it and that's it's the same type of like problem solving like itch that it scratches um and then concretely like things that i actually use both for is i got into electronic music production so like as soon as i graduated with the the theory degree i knew i could yeah i can write music on paper that's cool but the music i hear is like electronically produced how do i do that and that's something i've been teaching myself but part of that is uh the audio workstation they're called digital audio workstations where people do like like they play the piano, but it's actually like the synthesizer and they design sounds and put the sounds together, stuff like that. And mine happens to be like really scriptor friendly. Like there's a like uh, a different language that they use specifically for writing like real time audio programs and different things for functionality. You can write either in like Python or Lua or whatever you want just to add functionality to the audio workstation. So that's something I fiddle with a lot. Like I make little programs that either make it faster, like for certain processes or um, what I'm working on now is actually like mangling audio, like doing an actual like audio signal DSP thing.
1: Mangling audio? Can, <laughs> can you explain that?
2: Okay, so so there's so there's there's several things you might do, uh, like spectrally, which is just like based on the frequencies. Maybe I want to make an EQ. Like there's there's tons of them out there. I don't really care to, but it's it gets really cool in, in mathy. It's it's actual like. Like DSP stuff and filter design, and you can like changing the frequency is something that you usually do when you're making music. So let's say I have like a, I have a singer, right? But she's of the can it sounds like super muffled, right? So there's I might boost the high frequencies, or I might reduce the lower frequencies, and then there's other things I can do. Now it's getting into like AI. It's it's really hard to make it real time, which is it's again like a really fun problem. But uh, like even if, you, and if you wouldn't actually have those high frequencies in the sample given, but you want to be able to generate them. So there's like saturation and distortion that do that, not necessarily cleanly. There's like compression that will help bring out like lower parts of the signal, so it's balanced or unbalanced depending on what you want. So there's there's a like it's there's a like a gigantic host of tools for making things either just sound cool or generally sound better. And yeah, I'm lots thinking, of new well, ways to do them.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking like. Kanye West used to like like a speed up audio and and it would sound higher or um, auto-tune is a interesting. Oh, I was just
3: talking about this. You know, in the early 2000s with um, uh, T-Pain, he figured out how to do that audio and he was the only one that knew how to do it and that's why he was featured in all the songs because he was like, if you want this in your song, you have to have me. Yeah, we
1: we probably Uh, stopped listening special because he. I think he was like I need to find that frequency or whatever whatever. So this sounds like... (laughs) That not genre, but basically that 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 niche of um production, audio
2: production. Yeah. It covers it covers like a lot of bases. Like you'd be surprised like uh, even like somebody's mixing like rock or metal and sometimes they use some of these these tools you wouldn't really expect <laughs> to to get the sounds they want, which is again, that's part of the creative just the creative process, I guess.
0: Mm -hmm. so jenny shared with us your youtube um can you talk to us a little bit about that i see you have some upcoming things that are about to be released so can you talk to us a little bit about that
2: okay so the ones that you can see are about to be released are there's like music videos i've been like i've tried different ways i've learned touch designer which is a visual um it's actually a visual program so people are trying to do like animations and stuff and it's designed to be very reactive to stuff so And again, it's one of those things that's crypto-friendly. You can write Python in it to get like functions for how things behave. But it's like particle, you can do like really cool particle animations and you can make them audio reactive. So I like, I can plug in my audio and then I'll say it has physics. So I can say it's like the gravity is based on how high my low frequencies are at this given time. And you can see the, like the particles reacting to it and it's it's really cool. So those are some of the experiments I'm doing with just like trying to visualize audio and stuff. Some of them are just like, I just throw it into this AI app and it, it does like the, it's supposed to be audio reactive music, like video generation. It's not, it's not really there yet, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
2: it, it's, it's handy. And then the ones, the ones you can't see are the, like, I'm having a few people beta test some of my, you know, audio mingling experiments. And once I get enough feedback from that and, and do the revisions, then the YouTube is a place where I'm going to start releasing some, some of those things.
1: Very cool. So um, since you're kind of at the beginning of your career and you've got lots of interests, what kind of opportunities are you looking for?
2: Oh, OK. I feel like there's a bad answer to this question. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I'm, I'm really anything like it. Yeah. Not- Again, the, what got me into uh, what got me into to music and what got me into computer science was just, you know, by chance, it's like, hey, you should try this. So, I mean, really, I'm open to anything. You're It'd be open. really cool if it happened to line up perfectly with audio and, right. um, and computer science, but if not, like, that's not really... I still I do this stuff anyway, so
3: <laughs> Any, anything
2: would be great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a real cop-out answer, but it's, I mean, it's the honest truth.
1: I think it's fair, and being <laughs> early in your career, you should be open-minded um, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, you got more in the front of you than behind you. So it's kind of like, yeah, I'll try whatever. Um, But yeah, I hope you keep uh, experimenting because that stuff's pretty cool. So I want to ask you, and and I know you're kind of new to your career, so maybe you don't have a a uh, experienced answer, but you know, from the fresh mind that you are, what would you like companies to be doing to increase the amount of Black technologists in the industry, so that
2: that one is extremely difficult one to answer from my vantage point. But uh, if I can offer, you know, a very like like uh, small perspective view of that, from what I something I do know is uh, is a trend. Is I know a lot of companies will have really good relationships with certain colleges or certain institutions. And then that company will have a really high percentage of the people employed there from that one or two or three colleges. And what I think might very often happen if that college, those one or two or three colleges has like 70% of people from X background and 29% of people from Y background, and then 1% of those people are, are black, then I mean, you're not going to expect to see a lot of applications from those students because only a fraction of that 1% is even interested in your business. And I know a lot of recruiters. I mean, they'll hang out at those one or two or three colleges. So I think if they're if it's a problem, you know, we can't find like these black technologists that are capable. It's you're, maybe you're just looking in the wrong place. But again, that's just and a lot of assumptions I have to make from what I can see right now. What was your experience in undergrad like uh, in terms of the demographic? Did you have a lot of um, peers that were black? Uh, it was it's interesting. There were there were more. Um, and I have to specify like people that were like first, first or second generation or literally they, they moved here over the past year, I have more, there were more like African students, like people from the Ivory coast than like black students, which is, I find interesting, um, in there. Yeah. There's, it's not like a, we're not a very large percent of the, the computer science department for whatever reason. And it, the same goes for women. I, I noticed just generally there's more, a few more women there would be like than black students, including African students. So. I and I can't I can't explain why either because it's not like those people are doing just as well if not better in the classes. It just it's just not not a large part of the demographic at the at the time.
1: Yeah, it's a conundrum. I was actually when I was looking for my heat check today, I, I ran a couple few articles where like especially women are usually fifty fifty and in undergrad classes, but then in industry they end up it, you know dropping out of the industry for whatever reason. So it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for the heat check. A heat check is where we are going to share some articles or events that we have recently um, perused and share with each other and have a little chat about it. Um, I have one which is kind of related to what Aaron was talking about. Um, let me find it. I'll go first today. Uh, this is a New York Times article for lower income students big tech internships can be hard to get uh and basically it's kind of it's amazing i feel like things are way different than when i was a student but it sounds like um if you're a lower income student maybe you're also having you know part time jobs or things you know in your non educational time that you have to do to make ends meet and so to prepare for um for interviews, for internships and and the coding tests that go with some of these. Um, and if you're not going to one of these big tech schools, it's very easy to get overlooked. Um, and one of the suggestions in the article was, right, having um, companies partnering with, you know, smaller schools or, you know, getting into the community and and supplementing, you know, supplementing I'm having a brain fart. Sorry. Uh, Helping, you know, helping support students that don't have all the resources that uh, you do when you go to a big school or when you have a lot of money because you have, you know, more free time to be doing it. They're they're talking about students that are applying to hundreds of internships and not getting responses back, which is crazy. So definitely wanted to get Aaron's um, thoughts on
2: has- yeah uh, it's it's a little bit of a back and forth uh and hearing some of these students uh i sometimes i'm i like i talk to other grad students sometimes and it's uh it's an unfortunate it's become kind of a game a lot of people will just apply to a hundred and places like literally just copy paste the resume and send them to a hundred places because they've already like actually seriously applied to a few dozen they're like okay I see. It's just a number of game. It's just a game of numbers. So they send it out to a, like dozens and dozens of people, and then I know I already like I don't I don't have to ask. I know the HR people look through those things and they know it's like okay, this person's didn't really look at the job description or care about the job, and now they're they're definitely going to be browsing through things even faster and faster and faster. And I know there's like applicant tracking system, probably because of this. So it's uh, it's it's unfortunate, and I I do understand the part of. Uh, a lot of the time, sometimes there's different factors, like maybe a company needs somebody that has familiarity with the software and you apply and you're capable and you're like, hey, I'm willing to learn the software or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we're we're looking for people that are willing to learn it. And then some, some, this one guy in the corner of, of like nowhere says, hey, I actually know that one already. And then they, they get the job regardless of sometimes even other factors and then, things like code camps and stuff are becoming more of a thing where you get certifications really fast or even not really certification, but you get some amount of like experience and then you get a job very fast. And now there's like, not just the number of people that went to college that are applying to these jobs, but now a lot of other people that are taking alternate routes that and the numbers are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. bigger. So it feels, it feels like it kind of feels like, especially at the bottom layer, it does feel like kind of fighting over scraps so it's it it does become that game of numbers
1: and and the balloon has burst a little bit right because there tech the number of tech jobs were growing and growing and now we're kind of seeing that deflate a little bit so it might be yeah. you know an outcome of that as well and it'll pick back up again
2: hopefully yeah
1: yeah hopefully
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um Matthew
3: Sierra? Yeah, I got one. Um I'm an avid Reddit user. I don't know, Jenny Sierra, if you use Reddit. Aaron, if you use Reddit. You guys know what's going on with Reddit right now. No, okay. Um I heard so, something,
1: but I'll uh, yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, about I don't know the exact date. Um but about a month or two ago, Reddit announced that they're making their they're going to start charging to use their API. Um, and what this means is, and we'll have Ginny kind of give us an explanation on what API is, but what this means is, you know, Reddit has their official Reddit app, but then Reddit as a service, they, they allow people to kind of connect to Reddit and make their own Reddit apps, right? And um, some of these apps are like better than the official Reddit app. Some of them are, are better accessible maybe better filtering, whatever feature it is. And now Reddit's saying they want to move to profitability. And so they're saying, we're going to start charging for our APIs. And right now, Reddit is currently a lot of these subreddits, which a subreddit is essentially like, here's the topic I want to talk about, and we're only going to talk talk about this topic. And so these people that lead those subreddits are saying, hey, we're going to just close this subreddit down, and you're not going to be able to to talk about any of this stuff because we don't really like this API change. Um, and this was only supposed to last for a couple of days. And then there was a leak from the CEO's email about like, ah, this isn't a big deal. That's not that many uh, subreddits. And now these moderators are saying like, we're going to indefinitely like suspend our subreddit so no one can use them. And the reason for this is because um, the, the charge for an API is... A big deal. It was the fact that when they announced it, it was, by the way, we're going to start charging it in 30 days, and um, what this charge comes out to is about 10 million dollars per year uh, to use the API. And you know, some some redditors are saying like, oh, you know, your app isn't that great, and we want to use these other apps. And now that we can't use these other apps, we're going to go somewhere else. And the CEO is like, good luck finding somewhere else, you know. And that's not sitting right with people. so, yeah, I'm gonna get your guys' thoughts on kind of what you think about um you know a service saying you know you used to have this for free, but now we're gonna charge you it, and I think that's less the problem, and it's more of like you have thirty days to then like deal with this um yeah, for Jenny, give us an explanation on what API is can you
1: so basically, um, yeah, I did hear about this um there is a Reddit app, and apparently it's not very good. And I don't use Reddit, so that's a caveat. So I haven't used any of these apps personally. This but, is
3: confirmed.
1: Um, but the 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 app that Reddit puts out is not very good. But a lot of people that like to code on the side have used the Reddit APIs. And basically, API is just a way to... Um, it's, it's an interface to call into um, Reddit system and say, pull this subreddit out, pull the threads out, all the user information, and um, just manipulate the data, right? Um, th- th- all the data is in Reddit. And so the APIs let you pull the data out and organize it or whatever. And so people have written their own Reddit apps based using those APIs for free, right? They're doing it on, a free- on their own time. It's not like they have an income to supplement this so once reddit starts charging for the api they're like well yeah obviously i can't do that so that's a big problem i think if reddit was smart maybe they would buy one of the better apps and improve theirs um that's what i would do if i was reddit maybe that would solve everybody's problem but um i i'm guessing they're charging because it's the same thing as everybody else is everyone's scraping pennies right now right and so this is their way to generate some more income but um People are making some tough decisions right now. Those are my thoughts. Yeah.
0: I am also not a Reddit user, but I feel like the CEO is a little disengaged from the market because even though I'm not a Reddit user, I've heard that the subreddits is where all the action happens. So CEO is probably not very engaged in what's going on with his own software or platform.
1: I feel like yeah. disengaged C News has been the theme of Twitter and <sighs> really another flex yeah. lately. <laughs> yeah. And this also
0: hey, feels Twitter like... got
3: a new CEO.
1: Did it?
0: Is?
3: Yeah. Oh.
0: I haven't been following. Yeah. Clearly.
3: There's so much happening.
0: But it, it feels like the, Reddit the is also media. having um this feels like sort of a temper tantrum type thing. It could also be a financial thing but also it's like we're gonna stick it to you but it's not working because the people who are actually using your platform is like but what you're putting out is actually not not great anyway so i will go elsewhere uh very reminiscent of the twitter we're gonna pay you're gonna have to pay for your blue verification for like i'm not yeah. i'm not inter- why would i do that and it costs a company billions of dollars who also should not have been charging for what they were selling anyway but i digress
1: (laughs) aaron what do you think yeah Yeah.
2: i don't know like it's a it's like a exciting but it's kind of a scary trend i'm like i'm wondering when the peak of this like everything's open source and it's beautiful this like wonderland it feels like eventually it's it's going to have to curve down and things are going to close up like i'm thinking about chat gpt 2 too cuz people are like they're letting people use it as like an api to ChatGPT and they're using it in their their own apps and stuff and i know like just the 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 power and the, the just like the physical amount of resources it takes to to make and then like hold up something like chat i'm like there's no way it's going to stay like 100% free forever so like everything that's big and especially when now because things are getting into ai everything's data is the most valuable thing. I can't imagine that everything's going to keep saying like super, super open. And that this is this is just like uh, a shadow of that, <laughs> I guess.
1: I think, I think as long as they have a plan, right? Like um, mm-hmm. when iPhones first came out, they were only available on ATT, AT&T and everyone knew, I can't remember if it was a year or, how, or three years or whatever it was, everyone knew it was going to expand after that. And there was kind of like a plan and people knew how to get engaged with that. Um I think it's just these what to the public seem like rash decisions to get like a 30-day notice is just yeah. the unreasonable part. Hmm. Sierra. So my heat check is more culturally uh specific.
0: So I just want to say happy Juneteenth to um to all of America. Yeah. Um so for those of you who don't know. Uh, Juneteenth is a holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. It is also called Emancipation Day or Juneteenth Independence Day. Um, The day was first recognized as a federal holiday in um, 2021. Um, And so I am very excited that it is a prose company holiday. So we will have the day off to celebrate with our loved ones and friends. Um, And also Happy Father's Day. We're recording this the, the Friday before Father's Day. So I just want to shout out to all the wonderful fathers, um, especially Black fathers who are out there doing their thing and loving on their kids and taking care of their families. Um, so it's going to be an exciting weekend. So happy Juneteenth. Uh, we've got celebrations set up here at Prose that I'm excited about uh,
1: coming next week. And I hope that our community goes out and, and celebrate this day. Yep. Very excited about that, I think. Um, we're. De- I'm definitely looking forward to this uh, long weekend and just kind of reflecting on everything. And June, Juneteenth is definitely, I'm, I'm an 80s kid, so I think, or, you know, Generation X is kind of like the ambivalent generation, but definitely enjoying that we're um, able to
3: um acknowledge uh oh yeah you know, his... i can spare all the wait, barbecue i the air now <laughs> i gotta fall... so what's the like you know i feel like mlk day has is starting to shift towards like uh instead of like oh we have this day off it's like a day of service do you foresee like the juneteenth like shifting into something where um, it's more community driven rather than like, oh, we have Monday off or oh, we have like this day off to not work. How how like how would you think that like as a, you know, a society, America, that we, you know, we reflect on our past and we move forward together? How how do you how how would you like in a perfect world, how do you see like this day evolving?
1: Hmm. I definitely want it to be a day to remember history because I, I feel like people think that oh, all that happened a long time ago, and we're way past that now, I think we at least should be kind of remembering that, um, you know, people were were enslaved, oppressed, and, you know, enslaved past the, you know, emancipation. Um, and so to remember that uh, that we need to make sure that we don't repeat past mistakes. Um, does that mean now? Now, how would we celebrate it, or what would be kind of, you know, Christmas? There's Christmas trees and lights, and what do we do for Juneteenth? Um, I would like to see like community involvement or something like that, community service or something like that. What do you guys think?
2: um of the same persuasion. Like, I like, uh, at least when I was younger, especially, I remember a lot of like, there were like parades and stuff for MLK Day. Stuff like that is actually, I feel like it's, it's, actually important and relevant it's easy to kind of like forget forget stuff and forget what these things are for it's like i think as i've gotten older and i don't know if that's just like like going around but it it definitely feels like mlk day has slowly become more of just like yeah it's just a day off so i'd like to see the opposite trend (laughs) with with juneteenth
0: i would say that i would like to see juneteenth as widely celebrated as july 4th um it is a a second independence day, very specific to my people, my ancestors. Um, And it's a day that I think we own as black people, but also it needs to be um, a constant reminder that we were not all the land of the free um, all at the same time. And, it takes those hard conversations and you know putting it on the front line to uh for other people to acknowledge that this is a thing that happened it's not something to forget um and it's a celebration for all of us
3: yeah i i like that i i think where i would go a, a little step further is like turning that my to like an us, a we, right? We all as a society, as an American society, like experience that to some extent, like whether you're on one side or the other. um, And and like, I feel like the day represents like there are no sides of that. Everybody should come to the table and have conversations. And it's it's no longer like pointing the finger. It's just like things have happened. What can, like Jenny said, what can we learn from that? And And how do we move forward together, and just constantly having those conversations of like, how do we move forward together, and how do we have conversations? Because ultimately everything I say this, everything is arbitrary, and it's, it doesn't really matter. It's more about like, can you have a conversation about it? Can you move forward together? And if you can't if you can't even talk about it, then I think that's more the issue. and And I think that stems from like creating divisions between like them, me us and it should just be us right it should, like if if it's a celebration and it is, is as big as 4th of July which I think would be great it needs to be about us and yeah
0: we have you know the United States of America has two independence days that all Americans should be uh, celebrating and remembering um, it's what I would like to see going forward you know there's even an argument of you know as a black society, we kind we want to keep Juneteenth for us to have something that we don't have to share. But I think in the future, I would like to see the nation as a whole
1: be able to celebrate both days. I love that.
2: Yeah,
1: Aaron, do you happen to have a heat, heat check? It's not required.
2: Uh, I mean, I mean, there's there's a I'm interested in, like, there's doing, of course, naturally, like, they did, like, text to image. They're trying to do text to, to music, to audio. For some reason, they're, for, for a number of reasons, a little bit more difficult because there's, like, the, there's the time aspect of it. And so there's, Are you there's you like, design for that. But, generative okay. AI. Yeah, generative, like, okay. AI for, for audio. And the, the the initial problem to somebody that's saying, is, like, okay, I'm doing, like, in, in AI, like, a neural network, I'm doing a project for this. The first thing they see is okay. There's the time aspect, and then there's the size aspect because of the time. And then when you think of it just from an audio's perspective, it's almost it's one thing to describe what you see visually with words. We do that very often, but it's really extremely difficult to describe music in words. It's like how do you do text to text to, to music when you can't even describe it? And what what happens a lot is there's these like stock music libraries that you might use for like you're making a video or. You know a podcast and you're like hey i just need music and there's libraries you can select like little tracks from and when you um when you on the other side like when you put music in they ask you like tag like tag this with as many descriptive words as you can try to describe the genre and it's like even even people that do this like on a daily basis like this is impossible like how do i how do i put words to this like this doesn't even fit into a genre or, or whatever so i i find that i find that interesting um i'm just curious what maybe you guys would think about if everything was like uh, AI, like every time you got music and stuff, it was actually just generated at will. If, I mean, now a, we'll,
1: let's come up with our theme music. Remember, we were trying to find our our theme music because <laughs> we did go to one of those libraries where we're like, do we want hip hop, blah, blah, blah. And even my idea of what I wanted versus what the descriptors were were very different. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I would Yeah, I it's a it's a hard problem to solve.
3: Yeah. Yeah, interesting enough I um was just watching the recap uh Pros that had an Outperform conference a month or two ago and uh Michael Wu our chief AI strategist um he did a talk on like explaining ChatGPT and like he was talking about like some of the use cases for AI um like you wouldn't necessarily want an AI to give you like a text chart, right? To explain a chart via text because it's like, well, that's what the chart's for because that's easier to, to like take mm-hmm. in. And I think mm-hmm. like if you like are trying to explain music in a text form to then generate that music, it might just be easier to like generate the music and not do it via text.
0: I don't want to. I don't want to lose the human experience of creating music. I think that's such yeah. a from a avid music lover that is a very special thing for a human to create. And I don't know that I would want a, a, a computer generated computer generated audio. Um, I
1: I can see how I. Get a track that I kind of like and I'm like, do this, but with more bass or do this yeah. um, in the style of, you know, one of my favorite artists or something. Or, you know, change the voice to Rihanna's voice or something like this, right? <laughs> right here.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh, they're already doing that. So I listened to like multiple non Drake songs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wasn't there something that was released with a Drake? A song that came out and it was it sounded like Drake, but it wasn't him or it something. Was,
1: yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, 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 yet, I, so. I see it. I definitely like the human touch, and and I think it's just another method for creativity because someone's got to put the idea into yeah. the gener- generative AI, right?
2: Yeah,
1: kind of facilitates getting it done.
3: And
2: hopefully everyone's getting weird, credit like, uh, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's weird seeing people. Uh, it, it, I'm still not sure. Like, it's been a while, and people aren't sure if they're like warming up to like text to image and stuff. Because, like, I mean, it's, it's, some of those images are actually like really good. They're very perfectly usable, and some people are getting good at like prompting what they need to. And then there's there's some I've I've heard talk of of some models that you can actually kind of a little bit edit more than usual, like you like say, like remove this or whatever. Oh, uh, OK, so it was it was Meta matter of Facebook. I know they did like their segmentations, like just gone, like through the charts, like they can like look at an image and they can segment things like super perfectly. So I imagine later on in AI, like at least at least for the visual aspect, they can actually just like pick out parts like, hey, take out the flowers in this image that you generated or make the pot bigger. And it like hopefully we'll soon be able to do that. It's still it's still weird. Maybe that's just like what artists are gonna be instead of like paint like painting and saying no. I, I think I need more red and stuff, and they add it themselves. They're just like just add more red to that. That needs to be darker saturation or <laughs> like yeah. remove the remove the flowers, make the flowers bigger. And that's that's just what an artist is gonna be. Is that <laughs> I, I don't think I I don't think I like that future. but it, it seems like it might be possible.
1: I'm sure there's a need for that somewhere.
2: Yeah, maybe.
0: It's definitely gonna push the boundaries of what we're accustomed to doing when you think about an artist or something like that. I can see a a future in that, but definitely pushing the boundaries of traditionalism.
1: I had one more quick thing that I wanted to acknowledge as well. We are, as before this recording started, 991 downloads. So we are really getting close to a thousand. So Aaron, you might be our thousandth download. For all we know, we'll see. Uh, we're <laughs> really excited about that. Um. So maybe maybe by next episode we we'll, we would have hit that. So we'll, we'll keep you listeners. Uh, uh, we'll let you know what happens. Uh, Aaron, how can people get in touch with you? Um, or can you share um, your socials with us? And our listener,
2: uh, yeah, I I have a YouTube. It's it's Arrow Audio, so it's like Arrow with two A's, A A R R O W Audio. And I post music there mostly now. Some of the like Reaper like modifications I add, and hopefully eventually some actual like software like audio plugins and stuff. Uh, that's probably the best way to see my stuff. And I I guess I have a I guess I have a Twitter. I don't I don't use it. <laughs> like yeah, Instagram. I don't I don't really use those things. So.
1: No worries. Well, we want to thank you for joining us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this conversation, share the show with your colleagues, friends, and family, and drop us a line at interfacepodcast.com or find us on LinkedIn. Your feedback is important to us to keep the show valuable and relevant. So please rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to. We will meet you here next time. From our crew to yours, have a good one.